This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Tuesday night after conference championship Saturday. It is Tuesday night Tide Talk right here on your home for the Built by Bama online podcast. I'm Travis Ryer, joined as always by BamaOnline.com beat reporter, team insider, Mr. Charlie Potter. And Charlie, we're getting closer and closer to this Christmas holiday, my man. You got that Christmas shopping handled at this point. You have it uh, reined in. Is it done? Is it complete? Or are you one of these people like myself that sort of waits to the last minute? It's not done, but it's it's not my fault. It's the people that I'm buying for is uh, the difficult ones. My wife still doesn't know everything she wants. My my mother, my nephew, they're the ones that's like it's like pulling teeth to get them to try to tell you what they want. So it's not it's not for a lack of effort. I'll say that I've been trying to get it done. I like to get it done pretty early. Um, you know, my folks like to be the people that go around on on Christmas Eve. So I, I don't like that. Um, but being as those are the people I'm buying for, you kind of, you kind of get a hint of what I have to deal with each year in terms of what people want and when they tell me. I like your fam. I'm, 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 (laughs) I'm fam with your fam when it comes to last second Christmas Eve person. That's me. Now, are you, are you online shopping guy or will you actually get out and about and into the madness? Does that bring, does that present more of the Christmas uh, spirit and feel to you if you get out and amongst the uh, the peeps and, and get into the stores and maybe trade a few elbows, box a few people out, you know, get in there, try to get in those sales. Uh, which route do you take? Maybe maybe you combine a little bit of both, Charlie. It is a combination. I'm not I I like to be more of a spectator on things like Black Friday. Um, you know, we we got up on Friday morning before the Iron Bowl and, and went to a couple of places, but um, none of it was really that hectic. And we weren't out, you know, there's no there's no mad dash for the Tickle Me Elmo or things like that for uh, us. Um, I, I'd rather purchase that online or, or do whatever. But just I, I love the holidays like Christmas is my favorite time of year. Um, I like just everything about it, driving around with Christmas lights with Christmas music playing, all the all the things that go into the holidays. So, you know, I, I do like to go out and actually like, well, not necessarily the, the mall in Tuscaloosa because it's not very good. But, you know, when you go out and see um, all the, the stores and stuff decorated. I, I enjoy things like that. So, but if, I mean, if I can get it, you know, Amazon Prime two days to the house without you know, having to, yeah. to get up and get out in the cold, then I'll do that too. So, yeah, I, I guess it is kind of a combination of things for me. What do you think about malls in the future? And by the way, we will get around to some sports talk here in just a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, malls have gone the way of the dinosaur, largely. And now we have these, you know, midtown villages and things like that. The outdoor shopping experience has really taken over. But do you think the malls at some point, Charlie, are going to come full circle and, and, and we're going to have them once again like we did you know, for, for a stretch of 30, 40 years, it seemed like. Will the malls, Charlie, make a comeback, in your opinion? 
I don't know about a comeback. Um, you know, I, I certainly envision some of them closing. I don't think they'll just become completely extinct. Um, you know, there there are enough teenagers out there that you know, as soon as they get their driver's license, that's where they go. Um, you know, I have a niece and two nephews, and and that's kind of the way that they're going. They just want to go hang out with their friends, and you know, as long as there's like a you know an Auntie Anne's or someplace you can get something to drink and a way for them to spend what little money they have, there's a there's a place for that. But you know, we were just talking about Amazon. I mean, the online shopping and and what it's become is is kind of um, made that less appealing. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if, how many people that are listening to this live in Tuscaloosa, but the university mall is just atrocious. So that one, yeah, I, I would hope something would happen to that either, you know, some kind of breath be uh, put into it or, you know, maybe just completely bulldoze. But, you know, like the Galleria, um, I mean, Hang there are there. times, yeah, when, when we'll be, you know, like this time of year, you're looking at a, a chance to, to drive up to Birmingham to go to the Galleria to do some of your Christmas shopping. So uh, I think it's, you know, I'm, I guess I'm on the fence. Like I, I see where there's a place for it, but I don't see it just being, you know, consistent. There, there's going to be some uh, attrition, I guess you could say, over the course of these next several years. Two words keeping some of these malls alive at this point, Charlie. Food court. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Auntie yeah, Annie, like, you know, Sabaro, Chick Fil A, the uh, teriyaki chicken station that they all have. That's that's the lifeblood right now of malls, isn't it? It is, and I mean, I feel like I'm just you know bashing University Mall, but it's not very really good there. Either. <laughs> as, but they've got someone, the chilies. They've got the chilies, Charlie. Isn't that the chili? Is that an Applebee's? No, it is, that is Applebee's? an Applebee's. Oh, my gosh. It's not even yeah. chilies. It's Ooh. not even chilies. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going for the one over here in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, that and then you'll have – there's just certain things you can get at malls and do at malls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I – the older I get, the less I go to the mall, I guess. And like I said, that, that younger generation and I guess your your older generation, too, that'll get there early and do laps. I mean, it's, it's made for them. I used to make fun of those folks, and uh, I found myself doing that some here of late. Mall <laughs> pretty bad. I can tell you at University Mall how many laps it takes throughout the entire mall to make a mile. I believe it's six. And that all that's awful. It's awful that I know that. Yeah, that's a sign that you're you're AARP certified when you can <laughs> when you can go ahead and tell people exactly how many laps around University Mall uh, equals a mile. By the way, we are now six and a half minutes into Tide Talk on this Tuesday night, and we've got you covered on the viability of malls uh, <laughs> moving ahead in the future. The viability of the Alabama Crimson Tide football team uh, as a legitimate roster i guess charlie is a big storyline now that we know alabama will in fact take on the university of michigan uh in the citrus bowl on new year's day noontime kickoff on new year's day between the crimson tide and the wolverines of jim harbaugh first and foremost your initial thoughts on not only you know the matchup we'll get more into that obviously in the days to come but in comparison to what could have been for this team based on its 10 and two record, its place in the rankings. Uh, do you like this trip better than you would say another, a return trip to South Florida for the orange bowl, the matchup, everything included 
what, which way do you lean? Which would you have preferred in, in terms of how this all shook out? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I think it's a it's a better matchup. I think it's it's arguably uh, the the best matchup in terms of just name recognition and and what people want to see uh, outside the CFP. Um, you know, there's some other solid bowl games out there, but Alabama, Michigan, you can't really get much better just from a name uh, standpoint and a brand standpoint in this game. And you know me, I'm an I'm an Orlando fan. Um, you know, we'll we'll try to be you know resort hopping and going to a bunch of restaurants at, at Walt Disney World and things like that. But um, I, I would rather see them do that than you know cover an Orange Bowl for two years in a row. Uh, I've said it on here before. If I had a preference, um, you know, cover a game that's not. Um, doesn't have national championship implications. I would have loved to have gone to New Orleans, but uh, you know that was kind of out of the cards and, and out of the cards early on. But just from from where it shook out and, and what I thought, um, you know, the Alabama being ranked number thirteen, I thought that was kind of surprising. Um, you know, I know a lot of these teams played an additional game and were in their conference championship games like that, but I, I don't know if taking the teams that are in the the CFP. Um, you know, outside of the equation, I don't know that there are, you know, that many teams better than, than Alabama, even without Tua and some of the guys they've lost to injury. Um, so that's that was just kind of questionable. And um, But I, I think from a standpoint of you're playing a Michigan team that um, you go back to the, the days of the satellite camps and the, the kind of mini feud you have between Saban and Jim Harbaugh and um, you're playing in the game on, on New Year's Day, still not being a New Year's Six Bowl, but playing on New Year's Day um, in a marquee matchup like this, regardless of who plays it. And I think I think Alabama is going to have a lot of eyes on this game. And at the end of the day, that's what it wants. Yeah. And Charlie, a big Orlando Magic fan, in addition to all that. And Charlie, uh, I did some research on that. Your Magic is going to be at home there in O-Town the 27th against the Sixers. Pretty good matchup there in the Eastern Conference. And then you're going to have Trey Young and the Hawks in on the 30th. So you're set, man. You got a you got a nice week there for you. A nice five or six days anyway. And, you know, the thing with hardball is interesting, Charlie, because as much as we'll want to make this about Saban and Harbaugh and as much as it will be made about Saban and Harbaugh, Jim makes it somewhat difficult because it seems like he's feuding with 10 or 12 different programs and, and coaches if we could just get Jim to narrow his focus down to to one or two places, it would create for a better storyline. But, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt uh, that angle will be sufficiently covered as well. Now, as far as availability from a player standpoint, with all these draft eligibles that are on this Alabama roster, and you also have some seniors that project as perhaps first-round picks, maybe some consideration uh, given to whether or not they play in the game. It, it's certainly new ground, no doubt about it, uh, for Nick Saban uh, in, in terms of a couple of different things. But but having to take that aspect into consideration, you know, there's been a lot of talk in recent days, could be, might be, will, you know, where exactly do we sit? Now, is there any real news is my question, because I, I haven't been able to come up with any. Do you have any real news as it relates to who might or might not play this early on before we even get into bowl practices? No, nothing concrete. And, and that's why I think we've done a good job of trying to, you know, wipe away some of that that's made it to the, our board over at BOL. Um, you know, that, a lot of that stuff's premature because you know, Nick Saban 
you know, spoke at length about this topic on the teleconference for the Citrus Bowl on Sunday. Um, I think he spoke about eight or nine minutes, and more than half of the questions he got were, were about the, the potential for players sitting out of the, the Citrus Bowl. And, um, you know, he said that they plan on having those conversations with the players, and, you know, they, they don't know you know, what people are going to decide yet and, you know, that they'll let us know when any of those decisions are imminent. I'm sure that'll start to leak out on social media from the players themselves or, you know, just from, um, you know, more reputable reports and things like that. But um, it is interesting. Um, Tua spoke with us last week. I know we've we've talked about that before, but, you know, he, he mentioned how a lot of the guys, um, he's talked to them and, and they haven't made a decision. And, um, and I think a more solid maybe report or discussion about this came on um you know the heels of the selection show right before it ended they were they revealed the the new year six bowls and then they kind of started to reveal a couple and then the show ended um but alabama's citrus bowl was one of them and, and reese davis and kurt curb street were talking about it and um you know reese davis obviously being an alabama alum and the host of a, a very prominent television show in college game day and the host of these selection shows talked about how um, you know, there are rumblings around Tuscaloosa that uh, there are guys that are going to play and some that might even return next fall. And Kirk Herbstreet obviously sat down with Tua before we got to talk to him and uh, talked about how they're going to have a players-only meeting to discuss some of these things between the draft-eligible players, whether you know they're deciding to stay or go and play in the game. And uh, I don't know if it'll be a, you know, we're either all in or all out or things like that. But I, I think that there are discussions being had and decisions that are going to be, uh, need to be made. Uh, I don't think a lot of them have been made yet. Like I said, I think that'll come in the, in the coming days, but uh, it is interesting because this is something that Alabama hasn't had to deal with before. And um, I imagine there'll be, you know, a couple of guys that'll sit and then, um, and things like that. But I, I think that maybe we could be pleasantly surprised, but that's just me, you know, guessing at this point, like I said, we don't have anything, you know, a hundred percent or concrete or things we feel that great about to put out there yet. Yeah. I guess we need to start with important mile markers throughout this process that's coming up. Now, obviously guys could go out on their own, maybe via social media, via, uh, maybe via the sports information department at Alabama and make publicly known their intentions before uh, the, the, the game, uh, the coming weeks. But I guess where we need to start is the start of bowl practice, which we're in finals week right now mm-hmm. at Alabama. So give us sort of an outline uh, of, of that obviously important mile marker, because if guys aren't out there for the start of bowl practice, that would seem to be a pretty good indication of what they may or may not do in terms of the bowl game itself. And, and again, perhaps they make that known even uh, before the start of bowl practice? Yeah, I, I think that they'll start um, next Monday being the 16th, and they'll practice through, I believe, the 22nd. I don't know how many of those will be open to us and things like that. And there'll be um, availability sprinkled in with, with interviews. And I, I know Nick Saban will talk probably on the 18th because the 18th is the first day of the early signing period. So yeah, this week is, is kind of quiet with finals. Um, you, know, you have all the all SEC teams, everything coming out, but from just a, you know, having to go somewhere, watch practice, do interviews is pretty quiet, but it'll ramp up next Monday. And then they'll have a couple of days off for Christmas. And I think Alabama should actually travel to um, Orlando on the 26th, unless something changes. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty much, they have a, a strict schedule and they usually stick to it. So just from my understanding, what I've been told, that's probably how things are looking. And yeah, I mean, 
the telltale signs when we go out there in the practice field next Monday, um, if we do have that uh, opportunity to go out there, whenever it is next week, we will be looking to see if an announcement hasn't been made, you know, who's out there, who's practicing, who's going through drills uh, from a draft eligible player standpoint. And um, it's going to be really interesting because I think there are guys that um, look at it in a way they don't want their season to, and you know, the way that they're a member to this university to go out with the iron bowl. Uh, and that's a lot of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball. A guy like Jared Maiden's a senior. He's going to be going to the senior bowl, and I would anticipate that he plays in this game. Um, but then you you got to look at another side of things is um, not naming names or anything like that, but you could tell there are some guys that are maybe uh, playing, I don't want to say scared, but they just watched arguably the team's best player go down with an injury and a very gruesome just scene at Mississippi State with Tua. And these are guys that are going to be projected to be first-round draft picks. So I think they have a lot to weigh in terms of their decision. And, uh, yeah, I mean, unless something comes out before uh, next Monday when they hit the practice field is, is when we'll start to see and, and get a clear picture of who's going to be you know, playing this game and maybe even returning for next season. And how about you know, the team banquet on Sunday, which the highlight of that each and every year is the permanent team captains are revealed. <laughs> And of the the four players, three will be healthy enough to participate against Michigan. Three of those guys, those three guys, all project as fairly high draft picks. A couple of them underclassmen, should they come out. But between Anthony Jennings, Devontae Smith, Xavier McKinney, three of those four permanent captains to go along with Tua Tagovailo, who we know is out. Um, how much extra weight do you think? That carries with with guys that that have decisions to make about whether or not they play or they don't play. Um, those three guys specifically, Charlie. Yeah, I mean that's a very good point. And you know, talking about that players only meeting that they're gonna have. I mean, I I imagine they'll be the guys that are that'll be speaking up the most, especially if they're gonna try to do something collectively. Um, you know, because. We've known all season long that Anthony Jennings and Xavier McKinney have been those dudes on defense. And I think it shows a lot about Devontae Smith is that he's kind of the forgotten guy of the receiving core, even when you throw Jalen Waddle's name in there. But the season that he had, not only statistically, but uh, I think he's a guy that is um, – he – leads by example most of the time he's not that much of a talker but to see just kind of I guess the respect a lot of people have for him and the way that he carries himself and that kind of chip on his shoulder mindset I'm sure you know what he will do uh, will go a long way in this too but yeah I mean it, it would be kind of difficult to to envision Alabama having 14 captains I know Tua can't play but to have all four of them not play in the bowl game uh, that just seems um kind of strange because, you know, the, the captains are going to be on the cover of the media guide for the bowl game. The the captains are going to be out there for the coin toss and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how that dynamic works. But um, uh, talking about – A lot of about, different dynamics, a lot of different layers to this, I guess, is what we're getting to, right? And every situation in and of itself is different. So impossible, really, to forecast at this, at this time. Yeah, uh, but – what I was going to say is like talking about players that are um, probably got a sour taste in their mouth about the way the iron ball ended. Look at a guy like Anthony Jennings. I mean, he's not someone that's being projected as a first round draft pick. 
uh, at least not consensusly. Uh, but he's an in-state player that uh, doesn't want his five-year career to go out on, on that note. And I imagine he's a guy that, if healthy, could you know try to play in that game, maybe improve his draft stock a little bit. That's just me spitballing. That's not something that has happened or uh, that I know or anything like that. I'm with a guy you. Like Zabr- yeah. A guy like Xavier McKinney, we've talked on on this podcast and and before about how he has been unbelievable all season long. But what a lot of people are going to remember about number 15 is his helmet getting knocked off in the Iron Bowl. And he's a guy that's, you know, being projected as a first round draft pick more often than not. So he's going to have a decision to make. And, And Smitty is a guy that entered this season. Didn't have a lot of uh, people thinking that he was going to be a first-round pick. A lot of people probably thought he was going to come back, and he had the best season of any receiver on Alabama's roster. So it is – every player has a different set of circumstances. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, we're all in or we're all out. So it, it's going to take some time to sit down with their families, to sit down with Nick Saban and, and come to these decisions. And I don't think those are decisions that just were made overnight after the Iron Bowl or after the, the Citrus Bowl was announced. So, yeah, there are a lot of different layers to expound on your point. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the sort of buzz in the last few days that there's going to be this sweeping current of everybody comes back if a couple of guys make the decision to come back or everybody plays against Michigan if just a couple of guys uh, that are very highly respected as we talked about with those captains. And I I do think that can matter. I'm with you. I, I, I can't envision a scenario where Anthony Jennings wouldn't play in this game for a couple of different reasons, his draft status being among them. Um, but that can certainly help when you have respected guys like that that also have NFL futures uh, in association with that that, that are going to play in the game. That can help. Does that mean that everyone is going to make that same decision? Absolutely not. It, it does not. It, it may play out that way, but it, 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 it's, it's not the same for, for every person, every player uh, that has that decision to make. It is Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. More of the podcast right after this okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of Tide Talk on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume uh, your favorite listens. We would love that. Travis Ryer, Charlie Potter with you. Charlie, I wanted to ask you about these all-SEC teams that have come out here in the last couple of days uh, can't say Alabama wasn't well represented once again, both on the AP and the coaches teams. Did the selections go about the way you thought they would go? Did you feel like maybe a guy or two, uh, was a little bit higher? Maybe a guy or two was, uh, uh, maybe not regarded highly enough on these teams, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, to see the, the sheer number that Alabama had on these teams, what was it? 11 on the AP team, uh, which, you know, led, uh, the, the conference and then you had 
14 on the coaches team, which also the conference, that's the 12th straight year Alabama has done that to lead the the coaches all SEC team. Um, just kind of speaks to the talent this team had and um, you know, losing a guy like Tua uh, against Mississippi State hurts because he, you know, only played in nine games, but he's still the second team quarterback. So it just kind of goes to show you, um, you know, the level Alabama was able to recruit and just the, the individual talent that it had. I know a lot of the freshmen, I had to play, and then they weren't on this list. They'll probably make up the All SEC team, uh, freshman team that comes out on Thursday. But um, I, I think it just continues to show what kind of talent Nick Saban and company are able to bring to Alabama. The 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 one glaring issue that I had, and is somebody we just talked about, is on the All SEC coaches team, and and that was that Devonte Smith was on the second team. Yeah, um, you know, I know they only picked two receivers per team, which you know, and that's that's kind of kind of strange, but they went with Jerry Judy over um, Devontae Smith. I just feel like that's a lazy pick, and I know some of the coaches probably don't vote for this. I'm sure a lot of SIDs do that, and and Jerry Judy is a talented receiver. He's going to be a very highly drafted player, um, and I thought he had a great season as well, but Devontae Smith was Alabama's best receiver this season, and um, that one was just the real head-scratcher for me. But other than that, you know, I mean, you knew that guys like Xavier McKinney, uh, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, uh, Anthony Jennings, Jalen Waddell, they were going to be well represented. Um, you know, Najee Harris was was on both teams. Um, Trayvon Diggs. It, I mean, it's it's about what you would expect. But for me, the the only qualm I had with it was uh, the the blatant disrespect for for Smitty on that second team by the coaches. You know, I'd like to believe that the coaches actually sit down and fill out those ballots. We both understand that that isn't the case. So in that scenario, maybe I could get it with Jerry Judy on the first team ahead of Devontae Smith. In other words, coaches, when they game plan for Alabama and that passing attack, I get it. Jerry Judy is a guy that at the top of the list you have to account for. And so from a respect factor and an accountability factor, I could get it. But, yeah, I I can't buy that a lot of these coaches actually do their own work on these all conference teams. So I, I don't, I don't see an SID assistant, you know, understanding that sort of perspective of it from a, a technical aspect in dealing with Jerry Judy. I'm with you, Devonte Smith, my opinion, uh, you know, that's a first team guy. You know, I thought Najee Harris had not maybe a beef with being a second team guy because Clyde Edwards, Halar, DeAndre Swift, Kylan Hill of Mississippi State. He had some really nice backs uh, at the top of the list this year. Uh, but Najee Harris, all things considered, and considering how he played in the biggest games of the year, LSU and Auburn, uh, he had a first-team All-SEC kind of year, I would say, Charlie. Yeah, he did, especially the way he ended the season. Uh, in Alabama's biggest games, You know, Najee was the, the workhorse. He wasn't quite you know, Derrick Henry level workhorse, but, um, you know, you kind of forgot sometimes that Alabama had a number two back. I mean, Brian Robinson, I thought played well this year, but, you know, they leaned on Najee, uh, especially late. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was a guy that was, it seemed like he was rattling off a hundred yard games and multiple touchdown games, whether it was on the ground or through uh, the passing game um, several times in several games in a row. I don't have the numbers in front of me or I would, you know, spit those off, but um, I thought Najee had a, a really a good season and talking about players that are going to have tough choices. I mean, I don't know how much more Najee can improve his draft stock by the way that he ended the season. And, uh, you know, the, when you look at the running back position more so than anything else, 
Um, you know, those guys aren't really valued as much as they were in the NFL. Um, a lot of teams are go by running back by committee. Um, you know, you, you have some of those guys at the top of the draft that maybe will get picked in the top 10. And that seems like that's just kind of on a you know, year-to-year basis if that's going to happen. So you know, he's a guy that is going to have a tough decision. But, um, you know, it's a decision that based on the way he played at the end of the year, I think he improved his stock and, and put himself in the position to be one of the first running backs selected this year if he goes out. It's up. Yeah, it's almost as if in today's game, if you get a second round grade as an underclassman, it's worth coming out as a running back because that's almost the ceiling for 90 percent of these backs. I mean, if you see two backs go in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, I'll consider that a a pretty big number. Um, and, And also from an individual achievement perspective. You know, the Heisman Trophy used to be largely about running backs, but since the turn of the century, especially, you've had three running backs win the Heisman Trophy since uh, 2000. One of those was vacated, Reggie Bush of USC, because of some issues involving the NCAA. The other two, though, from Alabama, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, 2009 and 2015. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Najee does. I I, again, I would say if you get a second round grade as a junior, that's probably a pretty good time to go ahead and try to strike while the iron is hot. But again, as we talked about earlier, everybody's got their own decisions to make. Speaking of which, before we get entirely removed from that topic, is there a guy, an underclassman, a draft eligible on this roster, Charlie, that you think could be an under-the-radar possibility to make the jump. I mean, last year we saw some mid-round guys go ahead and take that leap. Um, From that perspective, if you had to look at one guy that maybe isn't being talked about or not being talked about enough, would you you point to one player on this roster that, that might end up surprising some people in this whole thing? Yeah, I don't know if it would be the case, but the one that would shock me would be Landon Dickerson because we've talked a lot about the receivers. We've talked about Najee and Tua. We've talked about the two tackles, but Alabama's center and right guard, Deontay Brown, are both draft eligible. And, um, you know, Landon Dickerson's a guy that, um, you know, appeared on these teams for the All SEC selections. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of people um, wondered how he was going to fit into this team, and he not only started game one but he started in multiple positions and showed to be a valuable member and uh you know he's a guy that when Tua went down we saw Anthony Jennings and Xavier McKinney um as a captain out there for games and a lot of times number 69 was right beside them so I think he has the respect of his teammates and you know whenever he's played calm and maybe not so reckless uh, I thought he's done a decent job so that would be the shocker for me I'm not saying that I think he's going to but if there was kind of a a wild card I've started including him uh, in this, just because he is a draft eligible player, he's um, stayed healthy, which for him is huge because that's something that plagued him throughout his entire career at Florida State. So for me, that's him because the rest of the guys, I mean, are kind of the who you would expect. I mean, like I said, I named the guys on on offense. The the young guys on defense would be uh, Xavier McKinney, uh, Terrell Lewis, and, and Dylan Moses. So um, I think a lot of people are expecting those guys to make decisions one way or the other, but. I think the one that, you know, if he put out a, a tweet or something, it's like I'm coming back or I'm turning pro, a lot of people would just, you know, kind of be like, oh, man, I didn't even you know consider that a possibility. So that one's the one for me. I guess I could have phrased that better and gone with 
player draft eligible for Alabama that might get better feedback, more positive feedback from the draft advisory committee than a lot of people are anticipating. And that may very well be Landon Dickerson. Uh, because when you talk about measurables, everything's there. You talk about versatility. Uh, he's played tackle at the Power 5 level. We've seen him just this year at both guard and center. NFL teams love that. So, yeah, that would be the guy I think I would have to go with as well, Landon Dickerson, uh, on that offensive line. As we wrap things up, we uh, want to talk some hoops because a pretty big one for the Alabama Crimson Tide coming off a solid win over a capable, as we know, Stephen F. Austin team. Last Friday night at Coleman Coliseum, the Crimson Tide gets a 10-point win over the Lumberjacks. Finals week in Tuscaloosa, but a pretty tough exam coming on the road Saturday, Charlie, as this team travels to take on a Penn State club that was hammered over the weekend by a really good Ohio State team, maybe the best team in the country right now in Ohio State. And as we do this podcast on Tuesday night, doesn't get any easier for Penn State. They get Maryland at home tonight, you know, a top five team in the country. And then comes Alabama on Saturday up to Happy Valley. Uh, for Alabama, um, you know, a team that you know, because of injury, because of some less than positive news on the transfer waiver front, uh, doesn't get any easier. We talk about it doesn't get any easier for Penn State. Doesn't get any easier for Nate Oates and his team either. No, it doesn't. I mean, Penn State's a good team. You, know, you look at some of their wins. They have wins over Georgetown, um, you know, Syracuse, Wake Forest. You know, those are teams that you know you regularly see in the the big dance. And um, I think something to give Alabama fans hope is, yeah, they're they're coming off kind of a murderer's row with you know games against Ohio State and, and Maryland tonight. But um, a team like Ole Miss, you know, beat. Penn State. So that's something you can hang your hat on a little bit, you know, watch some of the films, see what Ole Miss did. But uh, for Alabama, yeah, it's I feel like I write this every time I do like a game preview is how it doesn't get any easier. This has been a tough non-conference schedule, but it's it's also just um, it's it's tough on the players because uh, you have guys like Rojas and Gary and Quinterly who can't play. So you're already limited. You're down to 10 players and a guy like Raymond Hawkins isn't even in the rotation. So you have nine healthy bodies or available bodies, I guess would be the better way mm-hmm. to say it because by no stretch of the imagination is Alabama healthy right now. Um, you know, Nate Oates appeared on Hey Coach uh, last night. It's kind of the, the transition from football to basketball. And, you know, he and Christy Curry were, were previewing the week and, you know, Oates was on there for about 30 minutes. And he talked about how Herbert Jones with that elbow injury that he's been dealing with hasn't practiced this week and didn't practice yesterday. Probably won't practice this week. Um, Alex Reese with that foot injury, same thing. He didn't practice Monday and will probably you know, continue to watch and, and sit out uh, the rest of the week. And Beetle Bolden with a combination of the wrist injury and the bone bruise in his hand didn't practice Monday and, and will continue to probably watch. So yeah, that's three guys that, that they don't have on the practice floor. So with a guy like Raymond Hawkins probably playing a little scout team, that's six healthy players at practice. And uh, that's that's a lot of good reps for those um, those guys that are healthy or as close to it as they can be. But Alabama's really banged up. And, you know, the injuries that these guys have, 
uh, are, are injuries that aren't going to just go away with a little bit of rest. I mean, it would need uh, a lot of rest for them to be fully healthy. And so they're just going to continue to monitor them. And um, I, I imagine most of them, if not all of them, will play uh, at Penn State uh, on Saturday. But, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough challenge regardless of who's on the court, because, you know, Penn State's a team that's sitting right now seven and two. We'll see if that remains the case after this Maryland game. But, um, yeah, big challenge for Alabama, no doubt. Some nice balanced scoring for Alabama in that win over Stephen F. Austin. Five players in double figures. Uh, things you continue to worry about. Uh, a couple of things. I'm sure you've got a, a couple to add as well. Uh, turnovers. I think they had 20 in, in the win over Stephen F. Austin. And what you're asking of Kyra Lewis Jr. especially. Uh, mm-hmm. From a minutes perspective, Charlie, I, I just don't know how sustainable that is over the course of a long season. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about that before the trip to the Bahamas because you're looking at three games in three days, and the first one out the gate is against Cole Anthony, who people are projecting as a top five pick in, in next year's draft. And you know, NATO said that it's tough because of all the injuries that you want uh, to try to limit. Kyra's minutes and they would try to kind of cut it down between somewhere between maybe 35 37 maybe even 38 I know that's people are like well that's a lot well he played all 40 minutes against the Lumberjacks and um, he's been effective and uh, he's a guy that Alabama needs on the floor but they also need to keep him as fresh as possible so um, you know you're looking at a game where Beetle Bolden didn't play he can kind of take some of the burden off there Um, you know maybe with a a week off uh, or a week and a day off really um, you know, he can can spell Kyra a little bit because that was that was big uh, in the Bahamas, especially against Southern Miss. We saw what Beetle Bolden can do when he's on the floor enough. Uh, he's an effective scorer. So you know, that's kind of what they're looking to do is maybe, you know, get him out just before a media timeout uh, in the first half and kind of extend that through the, the um, first couple minutes after the media timeout. And that's kind of a longer break because you're, you know, you're not on the court. You're waiting for the TV uh, commercials to roll and do that again in the second half. And that's about all you can do, though, because, you know, Kyra's Alabama's best player. And uh, he's a guy that's running this system and, and running this new offense. So um, it is, though. I mean, you're looking at a kid. I know he's young, but you're gonna that's going to wear on your body once you get into SEC play. So I know that that and cutting down the turnovers that you mentioned are, are obviously points of emphasis for Nate and company. Yeah, and you talked about it. Injuries to Beetle Bolden, injuries to Herb Jones. Those are two other guys they like to play on the basketball, too. So uh, you've just got sort of a vicious circle going on right now uh, when it comes to the the health of this team and just the availability in general. It's a good time to be a walk-on in the Alabama men's basketball program. Maybe not so much when game day rolls around, but uh, those fellas are getting plenty of run on practice days uh talk about minutes it's it's on the practice floor but if you're an Alabama walk-on right now you're getting plenty of run uh during that allotted practice time and by the way it's an Alabama team Charlie that won't return to Coleman Coliseum for quite some time uh after Penn State you've got the uh trip to Birmingham to take on Sanford over in the Magic City uh, a week from tomorrow night and then uh, the uh what has become kind of the annual visit to Huntsville uh, on Saturday, December the 21st, before Alabama returns home to take on Richmond, uh, usually a, a tough team from the A-10 and the Spiders, uh, on December the 29th, and then right into league play with that trip to Florida on January the 4th, uh, which is a 
Saturday. Charlie, uh, anything else before we put a wrap on this uh, Tuesday night Tide Talk? No, um, I think we've covered it all. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know if we were going to talk about the awards. So we got that. Um, yeah, it's it's busy on recruiting, so you know you you, you say a little prayer for Hank every night because I know he's busy. Uh, <laughs> but now, I mean, the the only thing I'll say is uh, I know that you know keeping up with Alabama players in the NFL is is a task because of how many players they have. But it was really cool to see a guy like Kareem Jackson go back to Houston and have the game that he had. You know, he's he's 31 years old and he's playing really well. Um, yeah. He's a force. Uh, not only um, as a turnover creator, but uh, a guy that's willing to come up and help in the run game and, and hit somebody. So, you know, he's he had 11 tackles, uh, interception, and, and housed a fumble recovery, 70 yards for a touchdown. So, um, I, I don't know if you could if you could ride a better homecoming than that. And you know, for a guy that's been in the league for a long time, that, that's really good to see. Yeah, that's cool. And you know, people often I don't think they wonder about it, but they find it fascinating how Alabama under Nick Saban, cross-trained so many guys between positions, right? Uh, But then when you look at the National Football League and you see Eddie Jackson, who began his Alabama career as a corner, now he's a safety for the Chicago Bears. Minka Fitzpatrick, I don't know if there is a better better example of of that than than Minka and his ability to play multiple spots and how it's really uh, lengthened the career now of Kareem Jackson, you know, uh, a corner at Alabama and Kareem really at Alabama wasn't a guy that we saw at say corner and star and, and some other things. He was pretty much a corner uh, during his time in, in Tuscaloosa, but uh, versatility, man, it's everything. And as you progress and you get longer in the tooth, especially as a defensive back, the more you can do and the more willingness and the more you're uh, willing to embrace those type of things, you know, a lot of corners, they don't want to go from corner to safety. You know, that, or, or, or make those type of moves like tackles. They don't want to go from tackle to guard. Um, but it's uh, it's something that can definitely lengthen a career. Uh, and we're seeing it with some Alabama guys in the National Football League. Well, Charlie, as always, great stuff here on Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. It's the Built by Bama online podcast. As Charlie alluded to, plenty of coverage at the website. Not so much in terms of team football coverage because it is finals week and Of course, with basketball, you're waiting on that game against Penn State on Saturday, but recruiting coverage, oh, plenty. Another official visit weekend coming up off the heels of a a fairly active one in Tuscaloosa. So Hank, Sal, Tim Watts, they've got you covered from that perspective. And as Charlie told you earlier, bowl practices at Alabama set to kick off next week. We'll have full coverage of that for you at the website. But uh, once again, Charlie, thanks as always. No problem, man. It's always good to catch up. Absolutely. We uh we got the mall epidemic, I think, covered, if, <laughs> if nothing else, here on Tide Talk. For Charlie Potter, I'm Travis Schreier. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. <laughs>